This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. And here is something that I don't need to tell you. Relationships, they're hard work. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not allowed to talk about my needs. What needs? Did, Did I say that? You didn't have to say it. It's implied. How is it implied? You're the artist and I'm the girlfriend. That's how you feel, right? I feel bad that you feel bad about me. That's a scene from the new film Tick, Tick, Boom. And boy, does that seem to describe what some relationships can feel like during the pandemic. The platonic variety, the romantic, they all seem to have gotten just a little bit more challenging due to social distancing and video calls and the collective stress that we're all dealing with right now. But don't worry, we do have some tips and tricks for keeping relationships going in the right direction during the pandemic. Joining us is Don Cole, a licensed professional counselor and the clinical director at the Gottman Institute. Hi, Don. Welcome to Reset. Hi. Thanks for uh, bringing me in. Don, why do you think connecting with people during the pandemic has been so hard? Well, anytime we face a just kind of a major stressor, any kind of major change, things get more difficult. I mean, I, that's happens in all areas of life, you know, uh, everything from financial stress to family stress to loneliness to uncertainty about the future. I mean, uh, getting a new dog, which is what we did uh, during uh, COVID mm-hmm. times. Uh, all of these things, they, they, they just bring us to a position where there's just a lot more pressure on, uh, on people as individuals. Uh, and sometimes that makes the negative emotions that, uh, that we all have uh, come to the surface more strongly. You know, one thing we know about relationships is that every relationship has positivity and negativity in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, which one is running the show? Who's who's driving the positive or the negative uh, parts of the uh, of our emotions with with our partner or with others we're in relationship? And sometimes when we're under pressure like this, the negative just gets stronger and starts spilling over. Donna, is it better for us to have many connections or just a few strong relationships? You know, there's a lot of individual differences around that. Um, you know, people come into life, you know, they go through life and they're just different. Some people, um, those two or three best friend type connections uh, is really what they need. And other people really feel like they're kind of lost if they don't have their crowd and, uh, and they're cut off from, um, you know, hanging out with their friends at the pub or whatever. So, um, you know, people are very different about that, and uh, oftentimes that difference actually becomes an ongoing uh, issue when people get into a committed relationship with one another because one person wants one thing and the other one wants the other as far as spending social time and so on. Well, to that end, how important is listening in a relationship? Uh, that's the most – well, listening listening is phase one. There's two phases. Listening with understanding, and then phase two is accepting our differences. You know, realizing that because my partner is more something than me, she's more extroverted, she's more introverted, she's more active, she's more of a stay-at-home, you know, that because my partner's different from me, 
doesn't make her worse than, less than, or uh, somehow pathological. Uh, knowing that our differences can are there, we're going to have to deal with them. We're going to have to compromise around them. So, but we're going to have to honor them. That I want my partner to have what really matters to her, and that she is giving that same gift to me. So, yeah, understanding, listening, and understanding. Step one: honoring each other's, uh, you know, thoughts, needs, wishes, dreams. Uh, that's step two. That's the harder one, I think, for most people. So it's it's not really as easy as just lending an ear. Right, right. Because uh, lending an ear, which is not always the easiest thing for everyone, of course, but um, it can't just stop there. I, I, I've got to not only hear what my wife is feeling, but somehow I've got to care enough about it so that I want to uh, honor it and give it, uh, you know, she's got to have the feeling or, you know, anyone that we're in an intimate relationship with, we've got to be able to give them the feeling that what they feel and need is as important to me as what I feel or need. Um, that I'm committed to their well-being, not just my own. Um, that's what really creates stability in relationships uh, we found through uh, you know, Gottman science uh, of into couples is that uh, we create stability in relationships when our partner knows that we are as committed to their well-being as they are committed to ours. What would you say is the hallmark of a good relationship? The hallmark of a good relationship, uh, I'll, let me start with what it isn't. It isn't that we don't have any problems and that we always solve our problems because that's just not what it is. The hallmark of a good relationship, beyond what I've already said about, you know, being committed to each other's well-being, is also being able to repair. Everybody messes up. Everyone. We lose our temper. We say the wrong thing. We uh, we miss an opportunity to... Um, to turn toward our partner in a positive way and their feelings get hurt. How do we repair? How do we get back uh, to a good place? Do we just kind of wait for the bad feelings to dissipate and then act like nothing really happened? Or do we really kind of um, spend some time talking, understanding how, uh, we may have hurt one another and uh, what we can do to make it better, get to a real a place where a real apology can happen. Yeah. Um, so those repair skills, uh, you know, it's not even communication skills. It's repair skills that seem to make the, the difference long term. But do you think that that's changed with more of our communication now happening online? Wow, that's a good question. Um, I think that what the uh, so much more of our relationships and things happening online, I think it's easier to both miss the signals that uh, maybe something is off track uh, and uh, ignore them because uh, without the face-to-face stuff, uh, we might miss some some contextual clues that we need. Uh, you know, a lot of human communication is not in the content of the words. It's in the tones of voice, our facial expressions, our body language, our 
all kinds of ways we communicate. And I do think that online uh, and certainly uh, written, you know, texting and so on, limits some of those uh, avenues of information. Um, if I can't really see you as well, I can't really hear uh, the shifts in your tone. Um, so, yeah, I think that, that there is some difficulties in really knowing uh, at an instinctive level, because most of us, we, we do that stuff instinctively, you know. Yeah. There aren't that many people who are trained as facial watchers, you know, uh, uh, or tone of voice listeners. You know, we, we just kind of do that stuff instinctively. Yeah. Well, I do think that communicating through uh, electronic media, which is obviously necessary, does interfere. I think it limits it. I don't always know if somebody is uh, upset for example, if in a meeting yes. um, where I might know it, if I if we were actually face to face, I could sense it better. Yeah, tone is really hard to 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 gauge on you know communication uh, uh, tools like Slack or you know text or like you said you know Zoom. Uh, it's it's really difficult to decipher. Uh, this is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and if you are just tuning into the program, we're talking with Don Cole. He's a clinical director at the Gottman Institute. We're discussing how we can strengthen our relationships during the pandemic. Coming up in five minutes on the program, we'll remember Chicago photographer Steve Shapiro. He died over the weekend at the age of 87. So stay tuned for that. Uh, Don, let's break down communication um, for, for different types of relationships. I know that this may have been mm -hmm. easy when we were younger and we were back in school, but how do you make friends as an adult? You know, that is a um, really a great question because uh, so many people, especially uh, after people have, have moved into a kind of a permanent committed partnership, um, they really, that process shifts. Um, you know, most friends are made through uh, associations. They're the kids we grew up with. Um, I do think that one thing that, that interferes with this for a lot of people is that a lot of us did not grow up the way um, others may have in that they uh, grew up going to school with the same kids or that, you know, that they had a college experience that, that continued over time. Um, a lot of people really deal with uh, friendships pretty much in the present. Uh, if if you're somebody that I uh, see at work, then we're friends. But if I take another job or move to another city, those friendships tend to fade for a lot of a lot of folks. Um, also, I don't know any studies that I can call up in the top of my head, but I do suspect that our reliance on social media uh, has changed uh, the way we seek and maintain or uh, enhance friendships. Yeah. But almost every couple that I've talked to as a therapist, and that's what I do is I meet with couples for therapy most of the time. And uh, almost everyone that I've talked to will say somewhere along the line, you know, I wish we had more friends as a couple, mm -hmm. people that we could be with together as, uh, as couples. It seems to be a really basic uh, important human need, and 
Um, I don't know of an easy answer to that, but it does seem to be a pervasive problem. And obviously, the social isolation and so on that we're living in right now yeah. and, uh, it makes that more difficult. Um, well, tell me, tell know, me this, Don. About the holidays, yeah. How, how about connecting with family? Friends is one thing. Uh, I mean, if, if it gets really bad, you could just cut them off. But your mom is your mom, right? Right. How do you navigate difficult familial connections? Difficult familial connections are difficult. That's why, that's why we call them that. Um, um, and they, get to, they tend to get more complex, too, uh, when we're in partnerships because, uh, you know, I – and for example, I might be much more forgiving of uh, my mother's idiosyncratic way of saying things or her negativity where my partner might not like it at all and might seek to withdraw, uh, you know, from my family. So how we get along with each other's families is a major issue. Yeah. Um, the only thing I know that really helps is going back to what we were saying earlier, which is, you know, I want a good relationship with my own family, but I also want my partner to have good relationship with their family, and I want my family to have good relationship. So it's, it really starts with that idea that um, what you need is, is as important as what I need. How can we make that happen? Um, and one of the things that really does help uh, are what we call rituals of connection. Okay. How do these, how do we, do we have a, you know, the old uh, kind of classic, I'm from, I'm, even though I grew up in Chicago, I'm a Southerner by uh, family and most of my life. Okay. And, you know, the old idea of Sunday dinner, we all go over to grandma's and eat fried chicken, uh, the stereotype, which we actually did that on the North side of Chicago in the fifties when I was a kid or sixties. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, you know, those those kind of rituals of connection seem to matter, and uh, there are different ways to do that. You know, how do we spend our holidays? How do we, um, you know, how do we uh, spend summer uh, vacation? And yeah. to talk with our partner and with our families about how do we make those things into what we want, not something that we dread. Yeah, it's a great way to connect uh, everyone, right? Family and your, your partner. Um, just a few seconds left with you, Don. Leave us with this. When it comes to meeting you, new people in general, what should we keep in mind as we, we try to establish new connections? So at some point, we are going to come out of our bubbles and, and live some sort of life. I hope so. Um, what we should remember is that the, what people want more than anything else is to be heard. Everybody wants that. Everybody wants to be heard. So cultivate the skill of asking good questions, showing interest, asking good questions, uh, um, and listening. And uh, people think you are the best conversationalist in the world if you do that. Um, That's really kind of where it starts. Don Cole is a licensed professional counselor and the clinical director at the Gottman Institute. Don, thank you so much. Thanks for listening. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We've got more for you on the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.